Hey folks and welcome to another episode of Podcraft. This is the show about everything podcasting, from equipment to interview skills and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray, your usual host, and I'm joined this time around by Doug Kessler from Velocity uh, Velocity Partners, isn't it Doug? How you doing? That's right. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks, Colin. No worries at all. Um, so, Doug, you're a part. You're a creative director of Velocity Partners. Is that right? You, um, uh, you're over there. The creative. Do you know? What? I don't even know what a creative. Can you explain what a creative director does? I've always wondered. Yeah. So, creative director. So, we're a B two B marketing agency. Sure. We do mostly content marketing, yeah. and so the creative director sets the bar for what creative is what what uh, and the direction for each client and each piece to say okay this is what we're aiming for this is what good is yes um part so you know attracting the right talent and keeping them happy is a really big part of the job and um, making sure clients are happy and the creative's going in the right way and yeah. then i think another big part of it is innovating trying to come up with some new ways to do content marketing in our example and not just you know stick to the comfort zone Yes, yes, which segues well into what we're going to talk about today, doesn't it? Which is related to what I saw you speak about at the Content Marketing Academy in Edinburgh last month. Um, in fact, earlier this month, I think, uh, which was, and uh, this is going to be a first on PodCraft, but I feel I have to do it with yourself, <laughs> is uh, how to swear in your fucking marketing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you want to, do you, did you have a, well, actually, let me, I'll, I'll sort of dive into it. But uh, do you know what? First, I wanted to ask you before we dived into it because I saw in your bio um, the mention of the word uh, Lagavulin. So I had right. to ask you quickly, have you been to have you been to Isla yourself? I have. My brothers and I did a uh-huh. tour. We spent three days in Isla and Lagavulin was first on the list and Brilliant. Lafroig and um, you know it was just an amazing, amazing <laughs> visit and i'm still an isla fan and brooke laddie was another one. Oh, that's my favorite so i went up yeah. to isla uh two years ago for my wife's 30th and uh, we uh-huh. we did a tour of them all brooke laddie was amazing oh um, yeah it's my favorite yeah and bunahaban as well just uh, nestled away in the top corner of isla yeah we um, missed bunahaban yeah it's the hardest we, to get to certainly yeah <laughs> such a great place that really recommend to anyone yes indeed yeah if you're out there listening you've not been to scotland at all obviously you have to come to uh, our wonderful country in the first place yeah. But uh, Isla is one of the most um, beautiful parts of the whole place, and it has absolutely. Uh, given that there's, I don't know, thousand only thousands of people live on the island. They have the biggest concentration of of um, ridiculously good distilleries of whiskey up there. So yeah, amazing stuff. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, I had to, I had to put that in because I saw in your bio that uh, you mentioned that. So it's funny because I put it in as a joke that he loves Lagavulin in the kind of hopes that you know if any client ever wanted to say thank you, they'd know what to do. <laughs> and I actually have received three or four bottles of really that's a yeah, great tip. or from organizers so yeah put it in your bio if you I, like something that is a good lamborghinis point. right <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> okay well so on to our topic which is i uh, around well what i'm seeing it as really is about being honest in your marketing isn't it is that kind of is that the overall message of it do you think what's the what's the grand tour of it really yeah i think that's a funny talk because it's called how to swear in your fucking marketing as if i'm actually evangelizing that people should swear and that's not the point at all and there's a bit of a twist in the talk in that you know i I go through some of the things that swearing does can do for your marketing 
And then the whole point really is to say those are things that are incredibly important to do with or without swearing. And if mm -hmm. you decide swearing isn't your thing, you still need to do those things that swearing can teach us about. Yeah. And that's really why I think it is about honesty and authenticity and some mojo and voice and, you know, and, and pushing boundaries. So there's plenty of things that swearing can teach us about communications and language and taboo and borders and the, the extent of brand and stuff like that, um, that then we can use without necessarily having to, to use bad words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, th I think I totally agree. I think it was a great way to, to demonstrate, like, like you said, you're not advocating people have to swear, but it's about thinking about the effect it has. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to go through some of the, um, some of the reasons and reasoning behind that, that you went through in the talk, actually. So, um, you started off with the objections, which I thought were great, actually, because it, it got rid of those things. Um, mm -hmm. that people generally bring up straight away. I mean, what? Right. so playing devil's advocate, I will play the devil's advocate for you. Mm -hmm. Isn't it just rude, immoral, offensive? Yeah, it's really interesting because the two big objections to swearing are it's lazy speech and people over-rely on it. And of course, it can be used that way. And there's mm -hmm. many, many ways to be lazy in your speech or writing. Um, and that's not good. And um, the other is that, you know, it's offensive. Um, certainly... There are people who, who would say they're offended. I think in my talk, I try to make the point that very few people actually are offended by it. What they really mean is they like you less because you swear. <laughs> you know, it, it would be very hard to walk around in the modern world today and be offended by swearing. Some guy did a study, I think his name was Timothy J, about taboo words and looked at transcripts. And swear words were somewhere around 3, 3.4, 3 3.5% of all spoken words. And, you know, first person plural pronouns like we, us, and our are only 1%. So that's, those are some of the most common words. And swearing is way more than that. So we all, we see it everywhere. So I feel like the actual I'm offended part is probably not true. I think that um, I like you less for, for swearing is, is a possible downside. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, uh, you know, maybe sometimes a regrettable one because, like, I swear, but I'm, I think I'm a nice person and <laughs> I hope people don't judge me too harshly, but I, I'm sure some do. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's bound to be a few, but but then a, that's part of it, isn't it? It's about, um, I mean, going into the, the power that it has. One of the mm -hmm. things that you mentioned was the attracting like-minded people, I suppose, and the authenticity yeah. of it. So, um, I mean, do you, do you find that works well for yourself? For me, you know, it has, and I think it's become part of my voice. And it's funny because I actually, I have kind of raised my bar for when to leave a swear word into, mm -hmm. let's say, a blog post or a talk or something, and when to not. It's not a low bar. It's a high bar. It does need to earn its way in there. There are certain times that it is the best word, you know, and, you know, someone, I forget who's saying it's kind of like a hammer in speech and that, yes, you can you can use pliers to hammer in a nail and you can use, you know, a rock, but a hammer's made for it. And <laughs> a swear is made for some of the impact that it delivers. Um, so, you know, for me, it, it has, I think it has helped keep my voice authentic and real enough or Velocity's voice and attracted, therefore, people who, who value authenticity and don't mind swearing. At the same time, I think we probably have alienated some people who we would have liked, who we would have liked working with, who we would have done good work with, mm -hmm. but just don't like sweary people and don't want to hang out with them. That's a regrettable downside. I mean, I, I'm not a kind of person who says, fuck them if they don't like it. You know, yeah. I don't want them, them in their business. It's not like that at all. Um, so it's just a calculated um, 
balance where you just think, well, the upside of being who I am and who we are and is is better than the downside of alienating a few sensitive folks. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You mentioned a few other powers that swearing have as well. What, what else did you talk about? Well, it can surprise. In marketing, it can surprise because, I mean, one thing that you know, I noticed because I really enjoyed studying this and doing research on it. You realize that swearing is a very special kind of speech. It, it lights up different parts of the brain than any other. Um, and and what I like is for marketing still, it's not done very much. So when you do it, you're signaling that, you know, you're not triggering the marketing defense barriers that everybody puts up as readily. You know, it doesn't feel and smell and look like marketing as much. So there's a surprise element and surprise gives you attention. And of course, you can misuse that. There's a lot of examples of bad swearing in marketing where it's just getting attention for yeah. the wrong reasons. But use well, it can surprise, it can signal confidence, you know, that you believe passionately, you believe in what you're talking about. Um, it can signal authenticity. There's actually pretty recent research that's, uh, you know, that inserts a swear word in some passages and then asks the subjects whether those passages or speakers are credible or not. And credibility goes up with swearing. There's something about mm. feeling that someone's giving you their unvarnished views so that, you know, this authenticity can can come through too. It can also be very, very funny when used well. Some of the ones I show <laughs> during the talk and in my swipe file are very, very funny, and they wouldn't be without swearing. Yeah. Um, and then there's just this mojo thing about having a voice and, and loving it and going for it that I think that those are some pretty big upsides. They're, they don't come automatically with swearing. <laughs> yeah. But if you swearing well, they can start to add some of those things. Yes. Yeah. And there was there was a good example of that at the conference, wasn't there, around um, uh, the talk that uh, Cara gave um, yeah. around the attention. So Cara Mackay, who runs uh, Gillison Mackay, the Shed Company, um, she got a lot of attention for an article that she put out with swear words in it. Now, there's people have argued, people will argue, I don't think I'm on that side, but people have argued that that was not good attention in some ways. Like, Do you, do you think that, you know, is all attention good attention or... I don't think so. I, I think there's such a thing as bad attention. Definitely. You can just be a jerk and, and yeah. you know, you get a lot of attention, but people don't like you. Yeah. She is a likable person yes. and her swearing is so her and so <laughs> clearly just an expression of enthusiasm and belief and passion that it's super likable. She got hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of business yeah. from that post. She did get a lot of abuse. The trolls came out. I think yeah. some of that was sexism. How dare a woman oh, yeah. swear? Um, and there's a lot of judgment and, you know, uh, wagging of fingers that she didn't need to swear. And of course, she didn't in that post. But I think the post did as well as it did, hundreds of thousands of views, that because she did, she just let it out and said, this is a passionate view about what working from home is like when you don't yeah. have a shed, when you don't have a place you can go and yeah. call your own. I thought it was a terrific example of the power of swearing. Um, and yes, she did bring the trolls out. She handled them really, really well too. Yeah. So, you know, win-win really. Yeah. She, I mean, she attracted a new crowd of people who are so much more tied to her now in terms of just being loyal fans, really, that anytime they want to shed, they're going to go kind of. <laughs> Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, this is her. She's not doing it for effect. Yeah. yeah. She's just being herself. So for mm -hmm. her to not swear would be to be would be putting a filter on herself, mm -hmm. which I think would have other consequences. It wouldn't just remove the swearing. It would remove some other parts of who she is. Yeah. And I'm glad she doesn't do that. No, she's not doing it all over the website. She picks and chooses when to. But, you know, 
hang out with her for five minutes, you're going to hear some swearing. And that's when you know this is her voice. Yes. It's not made up. <laughs> okay, so to be fair, we probably need to cover the downsides as well. What can what can go wrong when uh, when you use swearing in your in your marketing? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of downsides. I mean, you do risk looking like a crass bastard. There's no two ways about it. That you you if you're you know the whole lot of brands is just simply not on brand. So for a lot of brands, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't fit. It'd be off brand, and you'll know that if it is. What's weird is that more and more and more brands are finding that in certain circumstances and contexts, they can find that it is part of their brand in almost any category. Um, but there is that, and and you could look like. Um, you're trying to get attention too much. People might not share it as much as another downside. Um, we have found some of the pieces that have swears in them. Uh, we get a lot of the same great feedback or engagement, and we know people liked it. But the shares aren't quite as much. And there are, I think, there's a subset of people for whom, you know, they might love it, but they just don't want to associate their name with it hmm. by sharing it. So there, there's a downside possibility there. I think there may be an equal and opposite or maybe even greater upside of people who really are happy to share it for that same reason, like Kara's post. Um, and the last, you know, the, the most, you know, the worst downside might be that you have to spend a lot of time defending it inside your company. Like, well, I've kind of gone through it pretty rigorously about uh, pros and cons. And, you know, there's an argument for it that is strategic. It's not just silly. It's not frivolous it necessarily. It can be strategic. But you're going to have to take some people through that argument who are not really disposed that way. Yeah. I'm lucky I own the fucking company, so I get <laughs> to do that on our behalf. But for a lot of people, the big downside is the stakeholders, the bosses who just aren't going to like it. Yeah, um, yeah, it may well be that if you show them some other brands who've done it well, and then you show them an example of how you might do it, um, sometimes they could object in principle, but then think, you know what, that's good. I, I, we can do that. Yeah. So you you said earlier on that it's really not about telling people to swear; it's about using the lessons that that teach. What do you think? I mean, for somebody who doesn't swear, it's not them. What's the first? couple of steps that they can take towards putting this into action or, or taking inspiration from this? Yeah, I guess, you you know, if you want to learn from swearing, you know, you can just look at some of the brands that are doing it and thinking, I always like really dissecting things I like mm -hmm. and just say, what, why do I like it? What makes it work? And really digging down, we have a um, series on our blog called Let's Steal From, and that's what we do in each one is just take a piece of work we like and pull it apart to say, why, what's working here? So one can do the same for the the sweary stuff out there that does work and that you like. Yeah, There's a yeah. smart car TV ad of kids swearing, which sounds even more shocking, and is. <laughs> it's also really funny and really effective and really on strategy. And if you look at that and start to dissect it, there is an irreverence and freshness. And you can take all sorts of things from it that you can then bring to your marketing without necessarily bringing the swearing along with it. So – the idea of surprising, of signaling confidence. I mean, why not analyze that? What is confident marketing? For me, it's one of the most important things you can ever do in your marketing is to signal that you're a confident company, loves what it does, is good at what it does, can look anyone in the eye and, and you know, proudly talk about the company. Yeah. That confidence is something every brand needs. And people who swear sometimes are coming from a place of confidence. And so one can look at that. You know, BrewDog, another Scottish company. Yeah. Up in, uh, and, you know, the confidence and the swearing are interwoven. But it's the confidence that is incredibly attractive about that brand, you know, much more so than the swearing. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are lots of things people can take away that are 
urgently important to any brand. Um, the, and, and a consideration of swearing can open the door to those. Yeah. That confidence, how do you, do you have anything that you do with clients like, um, activities or tactics or anything to help to figure out what that voice is like to make them confident in speaking in their own voice? Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of work on voice and, and, you know, um, talking to clients about it, sometimes doing tone of voice guides Mm -hmm. and our guides are very different than the normal guides that come from brand central which is don't do this don't do that ours are really cheerleader guides saying go for it get your best writers give them a free hand tell them what good voice is and what we're aiming for show them what good is and go for it you know and and inject that confidence and um you know part of it is often conversationality We, we like people to be conversational and the b2b voice now because we're all b2b um, used to be all about the B2B voice was all about be big, be venerable, be authoritative. And, you know, that was what, how you earn trust. Well, these days, trust comes from a different places. It comes from honesty, authenticity, humanity, openness. And that's those things in voice are really, really attractive and compelling. Um, so it's not like we have tricks or exercises where it's like, here, let's do this. Sometimes we do makeovers where it's like, here, there's, that's a perfectly good sentence, but let's try it just how you'd say it, you know? How would you say it? And then we capture that. And it's always better, you know? If you can do something in a conversational way, uh, it, it's generally always going to be better. Yeah, yeah. Just informality, friendliness, yeah, it works. Yeah. yeah. Just connects with people, I suppose. I know we get people who, when we meet them as in the clients, they're passionate, smart, articulate, <laughs> really into the subject. And then their marketing somehow lost that on the way. It's like, yeah. what happened to all that good stuff that's in this company and isn't on the page or on the website or anywhere else? Yeah. What happened? You know, and so what we want to do is draw a straight line from whoever's having the most fun in a company, generally the engineers and people who are inventing stuff and and from them right to the to the customer there's, there's a lot about just being safe in this isn't there like uh, probably the people that have the well i remember from my days at working at universities like you have to go through 10 layers of bureaucracy to get a message into the outside world to make sure oh, it's, yeah. it's it's okay <laughs> this is the big one this yeah. is the big one and it's a big big problem and stakeholders generally are are you know they they somehow in air, you know have a way of filtering out real things and replacing it with with stuff that looks and smells like marketing that's just kind of <laughs> what they think they're there for and it's hard now because marketing's changed a lot so people who are senior in any organization they know it the old way and in fact they got senior in the old way so they feel it's the successful route mm-hmm. you know and so often for us some of the senior stakeholders are actually the biggest obstacle. Um, not, you know, it isn't the market and all its challenges. God knows there are enough of those. It's internal trying to get something through. So that is absolutely true. The, the play it safe and the too many people filtering um, can kill really good work. Yeah. Okay. I think I think that's really valuable. I think there's. I mean, it's one of the biggest questions we get is around voice, around how to be honest, how to find the way you speak. So I think that was all really good. Um, I think our audience all of that stuff. Um, right. I thought as well that when I've got you on, you so you admitted uh, during the event, and in fact you've got it on your web on the um, your bio on the website as well that you've got a, a Jones for con- for content analytics, as you call it, um, and it's uh, that really speaks to me as well. I'm a, I'm a bit of an analytics geek too, so I had to ask. Do you have much experience with uh, podcast analytics at all? I don't, but a good friend of mine um, at Edison Research Mm -hmm. 
So Tom Webster is super up on it. And when it, I've talked to him quite a bit about it, and he's now he's they've just put out something at Ascent Research about um, podcast metrics. Now it's changing, and I know um, Apple is is starting to release a lot more, and so we're getting there. So for me, I'm not an expert on it at all, but yeah, I know yeah. how important it is and how it ought to. You know, we're so close to it really freeing up. Um, the medium for yeah, yeah. big advertisers to get involved because that that's what always holds them back yeah. um, when the metrics aren't there for them. Yeah. How, well, how would you think in general then about when you're working with clients on their content marketing, how do you think about measuring the impact of media in general? So whether it's podcasts or video or, um, you know, that, that type of media where you maybe can't track a direct click. How do you, how do you tend to track success in those types of uh, approaches? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I think for us, the metrics are built into the programs. We have to know what is success and then what are the metrics that either show that success or at least indicate. So sometimes it's only leading indicators you're going to get. So if revenue is your ultimate goal, it may take a while for revenue to come with long purchase cycles, but you can get indicators that that revenue's on its way if your other metrics are doing well, the engagement metrics and things like that. Um, if people are moving through the, the purchase journey as they ought to be. Um, so for almost all our program, there is it starts with goals. So we're big believers in almost any piece of paper before anything else goes on it, the word goals goes on it. And it's, okay, what are you really trying to do here? Once you align everyone who cares about this project, all the stakeholders around the goals, and they agree, here are our set of goals. Don't judge me later for something we never set out to do, which happens a lot when you don't do this, um, the rigor of setting the goals. So align around them, pick the metrics that are your best indicators, and and track those. And that it's, it's really that simple. And most of them are the, the obvious goals that everybody wants to track, you know. And even things that people call vanity metrics sometimes are indicators of good things like traffic, um, likes and shares are are really, for me, very, very good indicators as long as you're not gaming them. If you mm -hmm. buy likes on the open market, then, of course, they're not a very good in indicator anymore. But, um, you know, I, I'm still a believer in, in whatever metrics are indicating your goals and, and, you know, all the rest are secondary. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, that's really good. Right, thanks very much, Doug. I won't keep you any sure. longer. Um, thank you very much for your time. I think that's, um, yeah, like fun. I said, I think it's really going to connect with a lot of people that listen. Um, so we're, we, I'm just going to say, people should pop along. You've got an article on your website, actually, that covers this in more right. depth, don't you? You've got, uh, in right. fact, if you just search, if you're if you're willing to take the risk that Google's yeah. going to bar you, just search <laughs> how to swear in your fucking marketing. You'll find that that's on right. Google. Um, but I put on, it in the title of the talk and the post because people yes. who don't like swearing shouldn't come so no. if, you know if you don't like it don't read it but if if you don't mind it's yeah it's a fun topic puts them right off <laughs> um so go over to velocitypartners.com to find doug's work you can find doug on twitter at doug kessler uh, if you want to follow up and ask him a question uh but yeah thanks again doug that's great and uh, hopefully talk to you soon enjoyed that thanks colin take care 